0: Welcome to the Pacific Forest Foundation's Talking Timber, where each week you meet the professionals behind the Northwest timber industry. Welcome. First off, we wanna thank our sponsors, the Pacific Logging Congress and the Pacific Forest Foundation that provide sound technical education about sustainable forestry. We invite you to check out their websites, pacificforestfoundation.org and pacificloggingcongress.org. Pacific Forest Foundation offers thousands of dollars in scholarships each year, and it's scholarship application time. If you or someone you know is studying in a forestry-related field and would like some extra help paying for college, visit PacificForestFoundation.org. In this episode, we're lucky to have Joe Miller. He works for Trinity River Lumber in Weaverville, California, and he's a log procurement forester for them. The company has three mills in California. And we are going to pick up Joe now as he talks about how he got into the business.
1: No, I was born. I was born in Weaverville, where I live. I mean, I'm fortunate enough to make a living in the town I grew up in. But uh, my my dad was a road builder, and uh, I was in the woods. And the county I live in is a very rural county. There's only twelve thousand people in the whole county, and it sits in the middle of a national forest. So I was always out in the woods, and that's where the direction I wanted to go. So that's kind of the path I chose.
0: And Trinity Rivers that that company's been in the business for quite a while right?
1: Well when I graduated high school in 1980 uh, Simpson Timber owned the mill in Weaverville and they shut it down prior to that and when I actually graduated high school the sawmill was down and in 1982 the Schmidtbauer George Schmidtbauer bought the sawmill and uh, retooled it to a random link green two by four mill and uh, saw-sized and that was the start of the mill in Weaverville. And uh, he's been here ever since.
0: Has the mill evolved over time? or
1: Oh, yes. I mean, it's burned down once. So oh, wow. in, t- in 2009, the sawmill burnt down. Had a, f- a welding fire and the sprinkler systems failed and the mill basically burned to the ground. The only thing that was saved was uh, the planar mill on the end of it. Everything else was a total loss. And so Frank made Frank. He's the owner of the sawmill. He made a commitment to uh, rebuild the sawmill here in Weiraville, which was a huge commitment on his part. A lot of people thought he was crazy to do so in sitting in the middle of a national forest that didn't produce any timber. So he made the commitment to his employees in the community here, and we we opened back up in 2011 or late 2010 with a brand new sawmill and we've been running hard ever since. So
0: if you if the national forest isn't a big supplier where do you get the wood for it?
1: Oh, we get it, um, we get it all over northern California. We sit in the middle of the Shasta-Trinity National Forest. The county is uh 75% percent federally owned. And mm-hmm. Sierra Pacific moves about 15% of it, and the rest of it, the 10% is private, which the vast majority of that is got a house on it. So there's very little timberland outside the National Forest and Sierra Pacific in the county.
0: How far are people coming to the mill with wood?
1: Lake Tahoe. I mean, we we basically come from Lake Tahoe. I mean, Our whole sourcing circle for all three mills is basically northern California, from basically Sacramento north and to the Oregon border. We very seldom buy wood wood, and have them for a long time in Oregon. So basically the state is... uh, where we where we stopped
0: okay so your career in general where did you start out as when you were first in the first there
1: well when i was 17 i was 17 when i graduated high school and went out and asked for a job logging and he gave it to me and so um, the summer you know just shortly after i graduated high school i was working in the woods logging on a yarder side work logging Till about 1986 on a yarder side for several different people, but for, mostly for one guy. And then I was married at the time and my wife thought I was going to get hurt. Okay. And she saw one of my friends get hurt and she was scared I was going to get hurt. I, and so I started, I took a scaling, some scaling classes and became a log scaler. My, okay. my dream was to always have my own logging side and become a logger, but my wife changed my mind. And so At that point, I started scaling logs for the Scaling Bureau here in Northern California. And I worked for the Scaling Bureau at Trinity River Lumber. And we were built most of the time. I was shipped all over the state. But, uh. Cool. I I got moved to down by Salinas in a town called Saldad. There's a, a big prison there. It's a redwood mill that doesn't exist any longer. And, uh they laid me off. So the owner, not the owner, the general manager of the sawmill wanted me to come to work for the company. And I've been working for the company ever since 1989 to to present day, 30 years. So.
0: Wow. So when did you get the position you have now?
1: I scaled logs, oh, till about 1997. And the the gentleman that had my position before decided to retire. And so I I was given the opportunity to, to do the job I have now. And I've been here ever since. So I've been doing it for about twenty-two years.
0: Wow. So for someone who doesn't know what that job entails, could you describe it a little bit?
1: Sure. It it's it's different for it depends on where where you're at and what your mill cuts and your geographical location and all that. But we basically cut we don't cut any pine, we cut fur. So what we do is we go out and buy logs as cheap as we can and we sell the lumber for as much as we can. <laughs> And that's basically <laughs> the job, <laughs> and uh, you know, try to make the loggers whole and everybody whole in the in the process. So okay. it's been a little fortunate working for the Schmidt Bauer family, and they're in it to make money, but not to the extent that a lot of other people are. They want to take care of the employees and make sure that the loggers stay healthy and strong, and we have them around for the future. So they've been really good about supporting the, all the infrastructure that we have that exists, and it's shrunk dramatically over the past. 22 years but there's there's quite a bit still here that we depend on.
0: Great. So cuz I I you always hear about log buyers, do you go out and have to bid against other folks? Is that part of the job or is it
1: There's several different ways I mean, to mean buy logs. You can buy a piece of land and do okay. it from A to Z, buy the land, put the timber harvest plan on it, hire a logger, hire the truckers, and get it to the sawmill. You can buy stumpage sales which big industrial landowners sell and what you do is you just buy the stumpage and you go out and hire the logger to get the job done and all the costs that that incurs or you can just buy delivered log they put logs up for sale and you buy a certain species for a certain price and they just show up at your front door oh, okay. so I like the latter because it doesn't take near the work if the first two do <laughs> you don't make near the money in those either they're they're pretty competitive so
0: so what have been some of the highlights or things you've learned along the way as you've with this long career
1: I've been fortunate enough you know my whole my whole working life to uh, have uh, mentors or great people kind of take me under their wing and show me the ropes whether it be logging or scaling or buying logs or You know, I managed a log yard here, too, and uh, had these older gentlemen that have always helped me and showed showed me, if you show up to work and you work hard and show up every day and you can pass a drug test, there's a lot of opportunity for you in this industry. So that's how I just put my head down and worked hard, and that's where I got to where I am today.
0: So I know you've been president of the Pacific Logging Congress and are a mentor yourself. Are there any advice you'd give to sort of young people coming in the industry?
1: Yeah, there's a, there's a ton of opportunity. If you, if you have the opportunity and the means to go to and get an education, a college education, I highly recommend that. It's going to benefit you over your career in the long run. If you don't have the means, there's there's people like us, the Pacific Forest Foundation, the Pacific Logging Congress, and the local logging organizations too. That will will actually train you on the job and pay you. We have so many programs out there that want to get young people into this industry. Like I said, if you show up every day, show up on time and work hard. There's endless opportunities in this industry. Our our infrastructure is kind of at a, at least in the Pacific Northwest, a place where it's, I think it's going to hold for quite a while. And uh, okay. there's we're looking for employees all the time. And, you know, you can, you can come right out of high school with no education and work hard and work your way up. And if, you know, the owners of the companies and Stuff they're willing to give you an opportunity and teach you all this stuff. So it's a bright future. It's a living wage. You can raise a family on it. I raised my family on it.
0: And you have a large family.
1: <laughs> I did. You know, when, I, when I was growing up, I had a large family, too. That's when my parents could attend me to college. So I, I went the long route.
0: And so do you find mentoring? Do you do some mentoring yourself for the younger generation? Or
1: Oh, yeah. I've trained scalers and log buyers. And we, we actually have a team of log buyers. I work for Schmidt Bauer with the three mills, and there's uh, there's six of us. Oh, wow, okay. And we have two satellite yards, one in Oroville, one in Willits, and then we have a log buyer for every mill. And we own very little timberland, I mean, minimal, so we have to go out and buy all the wood that we run through these sawmills. So, you know, basically we're out pounding the pavement every day trying to scrounge up some wood, and it takes... <laughs> Take a great deal of your time and to do that. It's, there's a lot involved in it. In California, it's very difficult, and you don't log in the winter, per se, at all. So you have to put these huge inventories in your sawmill during the summer, not knowing what the market's going to be when you cut them. So it's a, it's a big crystal ball guessing game. You meet, and you talk, and you try to make the best decisions you can going forward. And uh, your goal as a log buyer is to buy cheap logs and never let the sawmill run out of them. So... The sawmills ran since, since it opened, two shifts, and it has every day since it opened, so we've been pretty fortunate to be able to supply this, uh, all these yeah. mills with with you know the logs we need to run it.
0: Yeah, so how many folks work at the, the mills? How big is the company?
1: Uh, we have about 135, 140 that work here in Weaverville, and then there's probably 125 that work in Corbell and probably 70 that work in Eureka, plus... Frank owns a mill in Florida and a mill in Alabama too. So he has a couple other sawmills in the town.
0: Cool. So what kind of, what kind of wood is coming out of those mills? What, what would people expect to buy down the road from you guys?
1: Well, we cut all random length, green, saw-sized, basically two by fours. I mean, that's 70% of what we do. It's not studs. It's just random length green and it goes in the construction markets of California, basically some of the, you know, Arizona, Las Vegas, but the bulk of it stays in California. It's just construction grade lumber to build houses.
0: We want to take a quick break thank our sponsors again, the Pacific Forest Foundation and the Pacific Logging Congress. They provide great educational opportunities and programs for the industry, and without them, this podcast would not be possible. Please check them out online, the Pacific Forest Foundation at www.pacificforestfoundation.org and the Pacific Logging Congress at www.pacificloggingcongress.org. Or if you're attending the Oregon Logging Conference, please stop by their booths and say hi. Okay, back to our conversation with Joe. Cool. So, to, so what are some of the highlights or the over the years stories you remember that?
1: Most of them I can't tell you, but uh, <laughs> you know, the best part of the job is just the people you, you work you work with and deal with on a you know sometimes on a yearly basis. They're just you know the people in this industry are the, the hardest working, honest. You know, just salt of the earth people. And it's a—it's yep. really a, a joy to go out and, you know, and have this old timer that owns a ranch and has timber on it. And his wife makes you a lunch and you go out with the husband and he takes you around in the flat fender Jeep all day and shows you his timber and tells you stories about him growing up and his dad teach him what to do on the ranch and great, you know, grow timber and those kind of days are, you can't replace them.
0: No, that sounds fabulous. Yeah, and that's
1: the best part of the job is the people you deal with. There's a lot fewer of us than there was, you know, 20 years ago. But we're competitors, but we're all really good friends, and uh, we get together and have lunches, and we go on show me trips to look at timber, and you know, it's a hoot. We just have a blast doing it. You know, a lot of those people have passed away now, and there's there's still some left, and the the young guys are coming up, and they're all good guys coming up, and it's a it, it's a bright future in California.
0: Cool. So, for somebody who doesn't, isn't familiar with the timber industry, and a tree is a tree, um, when you're out there looking at timber, what are you looking at?
1: Depends on what, how you're buying it, but basically, okay. you're, looking, you're looking at the quality of it. Basically, is it straight, the knot size, you know how big it is, volume per acre, you know, if the logging job, what, what type of logging job is, is it cheap, is it expensive, how far is the haul? So we got to look at, you got to look at a tree and envision what you're going to, you know, what you're going to cut out of it on a, you know, on an average, you know, and, and assign a value to it. Being that I was a logger and a scaler, I have, and uh, now a log buyer, I've had a lot of experience looking along. I spent a lot of time in the sawmill watching logs cut. and That's just something that can, it can be taught. But if you grew up in the woods and you worked in the timber industry for a long time, something you pick up and it's a, it's a real advantage. You can, it can be trained. You can train people to do it, but, it's a lot better if you just have a you know woods background in you
0: so has technology played a big role in your job or not so much or
1: oh yeah it's huge i mean I, i'm not so much these young guys that, that work with <laughs> work with stuff they they handle all the technology they kind of drag me along but um you know it's you know it's all forecast analytics and spreadsheets and you know the bottom line so we got to analyze everything we do and you know, the margins, the profit margins are so small now that, you know, you can't make too many mistakes or, you know, or really suffer. So, like I told you earlier, it's, it's a powwow about once a week, looking into this crystal ball and trying to make a bunch of decisions, that, you know, six months out in front of you and knowing, knowing what to do. And sometimes you're right, sometimes you're wrong, but, you know, you got to soften hope the blow you're, hope,
0: hope you're right more than you're wrong, I guess. Yep.
1: No, there's a lot of times you know you buy logs at a loss just to keep the sawmill running so you know you're going to have to buy cheaper logs down the road or someplace else to to help out the but as long as it costs a lot more to shut a mill down than it does to lose a little money running it so that's important you have to keep the sawmill running and running as hard as you you want to run it so you're producing boards at the other end of it
0: so when you're down during the winter do you use that time to sort of do some maintenance on the mill and that kind of thing or are you just running full out the whole time
1: the sawmill right? we shut down two weeks a year once one week in the summer around the fourth of july and then a week around christmas time okay another we run 52 weeks a year i mean 50 weeks a year okay. we run as hard as we can
0: so so your vision you looking ahead in the crystal ball five ten years Where do you see the timber industry in California?
1: Oh, I see it getting better. I see the people finally um, waking up to the realization that if if we don't do something out there, these massive wildfires we have are going to destroy everything they think they're saving. So, And I think a lot of the the real left hard-wing people, you'll never change their mind. They're real environmentalists, but the people kind of on the... They're coming around, and I think they see that if if we don't go out there and manage manage the ground, uh, we're not going to have any ground left. Everybody's afraid of the climate change thing, and you know, and it it really had a between the drought and and everything down on in the Sierras, it's really killed a lot of trees. So a lot of you know, right up to people's back doors, and they've seen that, and they know we got to go out there and do something, or we're going to be left with nothing. You know, water quality, habitat for you know wildlife and stuff like that. It, the forest needs to be managed and you know as the as the people go out and they, they call it the WUI, but wildland ur, urban interface yeah. and build houses further out and further out you know it, when we get these mega fires like we get it's, it's starting to burn up a lot more homes and put a lot more people in danger so i i see it getting better not significantly okay. better in california but better
0: yeah. So when you have these fires, has it affected the miller or, or, you know, I assume they're probably doing some planting and things like that, but maybe taking burned wood or do you have to buy that or what what happens after a fire?
1: We, we operated all summer on the car fire, basically. Sierra okay. Pacific, a huge amount of timberland, pretty close to us. And we bought quite a bit of burnt timber from them because they, they weren't able, you know, there's, there's a limited amount of infrastructure left in California they burned up so much wood there, there was no way they were going to be able to, to use all the burned wood they had. So we put a deal together with Sierra Pacific, and we bought a ton of burned wood from them, and we ran that.
0: Is that harder to run, or...?
1: No, it, it gets bugs, and it starts to deteriorate, and like I told you before, we're a we're a green sawmill. We don't have kilns, so we don't dry our lumber. So the bugs get in there. We've had issues with buggy wood as far okay. as going into construction, so... As soon as the bugs start working on the wood, we're pretty much done with it. You have about, depending on the altitude and how hot it burned and where, you have about six months to a year to get that timber out to where basically it's worthless to us. It's not worthless to everybody, but it is to us and what we do here.
0: Were they able to save quite a bit from the car fire or not? Or?
1: Sierra Pacific did a wonderful job of salvaging their timber. They're almost done. Wow. Okay. And. Uh, a little bit left, it's amazing what they did. It's if you drive through it, you'll it'll, it'll boggle your mind how much wood and ground they put, and they're planting every bit of it back too. In the forest service, they did some roadside hazard trees.
0: So, are you gonna stay a log buyer till you're till you retire, or you got some other plans? Or
1: no, nope, I got too many younger kids now, I gotta work for a while. I've got kids <laughs> going to go into college, so that's not cheap. So, I'm a uh, I'm going to be a log buyer until they run me out of here. I like the job. I mean, I get to be out, you know, I get to be out in the woods where I want to be not half the time, but pretty close to half the time I'm in the office, but you know, this time of year I don't mind being in the office when it's miserable outside. I enjoy it. I enjoy the the people we work with. I enjoy dealing with the loggers and the truckers and, and all that stuff. It's just a great, great community of hardworking people that they all see the what needs to be done and they want to get it done and every time you turn around there's putting up some regulation to keep you from doing it
0: hammering away i guess is the deal huh
1: yep put your head down and go to work every day and try and make a difference
0: so what are you looking forward to for the next five ten years what, what are you looking i mean there's a lot to be kind of frustrated with but what's up ahead looks right
1: Hopefully, you know we have a collaborative here that's really kind of bogged down. But you know, it's, it's my hope is that'll get going and we'll start treating a lot of this ground around here and do some stuff to make our our forest more fire resilient and healthy and log enough to keep our sawmill running and raise my family and get off into the sunset. Yeah,
0: that sounds perfect. I
1: get to I get to you know several times a year meet with you and and the, the group of guys that you know in Oregon and Washington and British Columbia and I really enjoy the that camaraderie and the friendships I've made there. So, you know, I look forward to those things. And we have a local conference here. It's the same thing here. I mean, there's a lot of great people that come together and try and help with kids and education and stuff. So I look forward to that kind of stuff, helping out where I can, trying to make a difference. The timber industry, you know, woods a renewable resource and it grows back. So these people that, you know, want to put an end to all this stuff, you know, there's nothing better in the world than, timber and what we can do with it and, you know photosynthesis and water is all it needs to grow so as long as people can, can kind of grasp that and move forward with it well we have an endless endless supply of power building materials and all kinds of the new products they're making out of wood and i'm hoping that someday the the masses will understand that and kind of get behind us and push this industry forward
0: Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have ideas for topics for future episodes, please let me know. You can email me at diane at In the meantime, we want to thank Joe Miller for taking time out and also to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Forest Foundation and the Pacific Logging Congress. Until next time.